Welcome to the On My Own Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Ash. Each week, you can follow me on my journey to become independent and hear amazing interviews with experts on health, productivity, and entrepreneurship. I'm 18 and am passionate about wellness and living a fulfilling life. I'm so excited to bring you along as I struggle, thrive, and learn from experiences I have when I'm on my own. Hi guys, and welcome to the On My Own podcast. Today I have Sadie, and we are going to be chatting all about her writing process, her new book, her views on health, and it's going to be a really awesome episode. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Sadie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm so stoked to be here. Um, My name is Sadie. I'm the same age as Sasha, I think. I'm 18. Um, I have a blog called Whole Girl where I share delicious paleo treat recipes and thoughts and advice on empowered living for young women. Um, I've been doing this since I was around 12 and my whole life I've wanted to write a book and that dream finally came true because my book Whole Girl is coming out on February 2nd. So um, the book is basically a um, sort of it was cultivated by all the things I've been doing and learning these past six years. So it's full of um, life practices and advice and stories and, and just things that we can do in our lives to feel more empowered and to embrace every part of ourselves, all of our moods and emotions. Um, and it also has 45 new um, paleo tree recipes. So it's a combination of a bunch of different things. Um, because I believe that food is one of the greatest joys in life and baking paleo treats completely changed my life. So I want to share that joy with other young women. So the book is really just a combination of all these different things to help us um, truly celebrate every part of ourselves. That's so cool. And I'm so excited to get to read it and just really see the finished product. That's yeah. exciting. So thanks. What was your process to actually get the book deal and find someone to publish the book? That's a good question. It was an insane process. I started writing this or really just like brainstorming it um, when I was still in middle school. And then um, freshman year, I heard that if you wanted to get a book published by a publisher, if you didn't want to self-publish, you ha- and I wanted a publisher, um, you had to like make a book proposal. So I started working on that freshman year of high school. So that was like a little over four years ago, I guess. That's crazy. Um, and basically what a book proposal is, is like an extended outline of your book. So you need to include um, everything that's going to be in the book plus photos and, you know, sample of the recipes and writing that's going to be in there. So I started working on that. And then um, I went to an event um, with Primal Kitchen, who I'm sure you know. And at the event was all these cool people. And one of the women there um, had become friendly with a literary agent. And she was like, oh, I don't want to write a book, but you're already creating this book. I should connect you. So anyway, I got connected with this amazing literary agent. I signed with her like a couple days later. And then basically for the next year, we worked together on my book proposal and really just honed it. And it ended up being like, um, I think like 50 pages or something. This is like a really big sort of outline of the book. So I did the book proposal, worked with her, and then um, 
And then we submitted it to publishers. And then um, I signed with Sounds True two years ago and then spent the, um, I spent a year writing it and then another year um, editing it. And now, now it's coming out. So basically that's the whole process. Um, very condensed. It, it was really long, but it's cool that it's finally like coming out because at so many points during it, I was like, oh my God, is this actually going to happen? It seems like such a long haul, but um, it was all worth it. <laughs> yeah, it really sounds amazing. One of my goals eventually is to write some sort of book um, because it just sounds like such an interesting process. What are some of the things that you learned along the way? Oh, good question. Um, I learned a lot about mindset and like how I talk to myself because I, I was always pretty hard on myself. Um, I always thought I wasn't doing enough or... I was managing my time badly, or I just wasn't performing high enough. Um, but with this, it was sort of such a, and I also tend to get really overwhelmed and stressed by like small things <laughs> like in school. Yeah. You, you feel it. Yeah. So, but this was such a big job that I knew I wouldn't be able to like sweat the small stuff. So I sort of learned to organize my time really, really wisely and then complete everything that needed to get done, but not get too emotionally invested in it. So I wouldn't like beat myself up if my writing was really bad, which it always is <laughs> the first couple drafts. Um, or if I didn't complete everything on my to-do list, I just tried to be kinder to myself. And I also learned a lot of good time management because at one point I was like finishing up the manuscript the same week that I had like finals and SAT and college applications. It was just like, I had so much to do and I had to like manage my time, but not get too stressed. So that was, it was an interesting time. I think I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think time management can be really hard, especially like in quarantine, it's like you have the whole day free. So you have to build up the structure that school or something else would have had for you. Yeah. What are some of the things you do to manage your time? Man, that is so hard because when you don't have someone like telling you what to do at all, it's so, even with online colleges, I'm sure you're yeah. experiencing too. I know we both are freshmen in online college. Um, that's really odd because they give you readings and assignments, but it's like, you can either, you know, invest yourself fully or not. And it's like so easy to just not quite invest yourself. So I like to create, um, I like to create a pretty in-depth schedule for myself, which I know you do this too. We're both planners, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I like to create a schedule. I've started using Notion, which is a cool app, um, for sort of planning. And I find that when I write everything down and get super clear what my goals are for the week, the month, and the day, um, it makes every day much smoother. And then I can be present and I'm not like scattered all around trying to think about like what I should be doing. Cause I have that constant nagging mindset of like, I should be doing something different. Even if I'm doing the top thing on my to-do list at that time, my brain still tells me you should be doing something else. So I think laying it all out is really helpful. Find it sort of a a planner that works for you, whether that's for years, I did the like paper and pen planners. That's good. Or an app that you like. Um, and just putting it all out there so that you are not scattered and you can just be like present in each moment. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great point is that when you do plan and give yourself structure, um, it'll, it, it allows you to be more present and to not be really scattered and stressed. I know my sister used to always fight with my mom and I because we wanted her to like have a schedule and she said it restricted her freedom. Mm. I feel like when you're able to have some sort of structure, you can do things without worrying constantly and being stressed. So yeah, that's a yeah. So how do you fit in baking in your days? Do you use it as stress relief or now that you are doing your Instagram and book, is that more like work for you? How do you view that? Oh, good question. Um, it's never work. It never feels like that. I just love baking. So <laughs> it's always really fun. I mean, I have to say when I was creating recipes for the book, I, ac- I actually originally created 60 um, and we ended up only putting 45 in the book, but creating 60 recipes in like a couple of months. And I, I, I actually put off the recipes till the end. Cause I was like, writing's harder than recipe creating for me. So I'll do the writing first and then make all the recipes. But then I had like two months <laughs> to create like 60 yeah. brand new recipes, which I also had to tie into the 15 different moods in the book. So I somehow had to make like bossy cupcakes and angry cookies. <laughs> so it was this really big task that I did not account for um, being that labor intensive. So that was, you know, that was a little bit stressful at times, but still when I'm actually in the kitchen baking, it's just fun. Like the process of baking is really meditative for me and it's really fun to get creative and stuff. Um, and once I create the recipe, I have to like test it several times before publishing it. Cause once it's published, you know, <laughs> people, yeah, it can't have mistakes. So the, you know, the like testing over and over again gets a little bit, um, less like creative and in the moment fun but then afterwards you just get to eat this really good dessert so I think it's just a fun process all around yeah for sure um how do you get the sort of inspiration and also like the I don't know how to phrase it other than like the scientific aspects of the recipe do you ever like research what you want to make and sort of adapt things or just throw stuff in a bowl and try to figure it out. How do you do that? Honestly, it's kind of a balance of both. Like I, if it's something that I don't really, like if it's a variation of a cake or a cookie or a muffin or something like that, I basically know the ratios of like almond flour to eggs (laughs) just from having done this for like nine years now or something. That's like the one thing that I feel pretty confident on. But if it's some sort of specific food that I've never, like I had to make um, like molten chocolate lava cakes. And I was like, I have no idea how to do that. Um, so I Googled just a conventional recipe with flour and sugar and milk. And then I sort of processed that in my like paleoifying brain mm-hmm. um, and then applied the knowledge I knew to it and then made it um, paleo. So it's definitely a combination of both. And I also got a lot of inspiration from, um, other cookbooks that I have. And back when we could go out, I would go to like the farmer's market and get really inspired by the like fresh fruits and flowers there and stuff. And just let the seasons influence the food as well. Like I love making apple and pumpkin things in the fall and, and peppermint hazelnut things in the winter. So just sort of letting the seasons influence the food. Yeah, that's so cool. For me, I get the most inspiration for my recipes and stuff when I 
go out places and then yeah. I can't remember like what I've eaten or what's even if I haven't tried it like if I see stuff on a, on the menu I'll jot it down sometimes just so I can like remember but I definitely want to get better at making actual recipes because I tend to, to I tend to just throw stuff like in a bowl too. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I want to move on now to your actual diet and your eating philosophy I guess so you mentioned that you uh create a lot of paleo-fied recipes which is definitely what your account focuses on so what kind of guides your personal eating and how do you eat on the day-to-day I, so I'm not actually paleo. I eat gluten-free because, um, when I was nine, I got really sick for months, um, like stomach aches. And it turned out that I went gluten-free and that cured me within a couple months. So I kind of figured the issue was gluten. Um, so I've been gluten-free ever since then. Now, sometimes I do accidentally eat gluten. Like once I had a pizza at a restaurant that I thought was gluten-free, but it wasn't. And I was fine, actually. So I surprised myself with that. So I think I might not be um, actually allergic to gluten, but I'm definitely sensitive to it. And I think I had some major gut issues when I was younger that that caused that big reaction to it. Um, so I stay gluten free just because it makes me feel good. And also, I've read a lot of um, I've read a lot of books talking about grains and gluten in particular, and how it might not be the best thing for anyone to eat. Now, if you feel fine eating it, I guess you know, that's great. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm like, ah, I don't even need to eat it. I'm not missing out on anything because I make all these delicious gluten-free foods. So I'm gluten-free. And then I'm also mostly grain-free um, because when I was in middle school, I started getting stomach aches again. And by that time, I'd already had my blog for years and um, I was focused on paleo recipes, but I didn't eat grain-free. I was still eating a lot of gluten-free pasta and bread and stuff like that. And at that point, I had the nutrition knowledge and I knew that it was probably grains that was upsetting my stomach. So I went off grains and my stomach aches completely went away. And I haven't had a stomach ache since. Like, it's crazy. So I try to stay as grain-free as possible just because it makes me feel good. Um, And I also, I know we've talked about this before, but I also used to be vegetarian. Um, And when I went gluten-free... I didn't have a lot I could eat. <laughs> it was like beans and lettuce or whatever. Especially like even um, back then, like when we were younger, it was a yeah. lot different than now and things have progressed so quickly. So yeah. Exactly. I know it's crazy. Like I would have probably never started my blog if there was the gluten-free food landscape that there is now. Right. Yeah. Like every, yeah. Free now, basically. Yeah, exactly. And back then there was like nothing that was gluten-free and there weren't even that many paleo baking blogs. Like I think I was, I'm not going to say, I probably wasn't one of the first, but like there were not as many as there are now. Now everyone has like a paleo baking blog. <laughs> um, so I sort of had to start making these things for myself because they weren't available. Um, and yeah, so I actually started eating meat when I was um, a couple years after I went gluten-free because my family had been vegetarian my entire life because we felt bad for the animals and the planet. And we thought, you know, our health would be better without meat. So we were vegetarian, but then one summer we visited a farm in Vermont that had that raised grass-fed cows. And we were like, oh my God, the cows can live this great life and live happy lives. So I tried beef for the first time and I was like, oh, 
<laughs> so um, that trip, I had my first burger and I started eating meat and it actually really transformed my health. Like going gluten had taken away my stomach aches and um, going grain free helped as well. But like eating meat and starting to add that into my diet made me so much stronger and healthier. Like I got into yoga and running and I just got like stronger. I was, I didn't even think about this before, but I was really thin. That's just my body type. But I, I like got stronger with eating meat and I just felt like more vitality. So um, I think I was probably deficient in a lot of like vitamins and stuff from not having beef and wasn't getting enough fat or protein in my diet. So adding beef in really just um, transformed my health in that way. And now I'm, I've been doing a lot of reading into um, regenerative farming and um, how animals can actually like help our health in the planet. So that's something I've been um, digging into more lately. That's really cool. Yeah, it's super interesting to see how different people react to different things. For me, like my gut health journey is actually, it's very similar to yours, but kind of also the opposite. So for me, it wasn't gluten, but when I was like around 10, um, I was so, like I got so sick that I was like afraid to go to school. I was afraid to go anywhere because I would go out and feel like I was going to like puke everywhere. And I couldn't figure out why, but for me it was dairy. And once I cut that out, I was having like, I was addicted to Greek yogurt and cheese <laughs> and stuff. And once I cut out dairy, um, everything went away, like all my stomach aches. Wow. Once I cut out meat, I actually felt so much better. So wow. it's just so fun how like everyone is really different. Yes. It's so interesting. Like I know a lot of people who feel better without beef and meat too. And then I meet some people who were also vegetarians and started eating it and just like their whole lives changed. So it's cool to see how like all bodies are different. And it's insane that we had the same reaction, but to gluten and dairy, because I was the same way where like, I couldn't go to school for like half a year. And it was like scary because you're like, I'm not used to feeling this bad. What's going on? I can't go anywhere. I can't leave my bed. Like it's awful. So it's incredible that we were both able to figure that out. Yeah. Especially when you're young, people just think it's mental or like yeah. <laughs> but yes. yeah, yeah. I had doctors tell me that it was in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never been more mad in my life is when this doctor said that I was like, and it turns out that's a huge thing actually is um, doctors gaslighting young women and telling them that they're making up their symptoms. So yeah, that's crazy. It's a horrible experience. I hope that, you know, hopefully as we progress and, you know, doctors learn more about the, the role that food plays in our health, hopefully people won't have to endure that much more because that's, it's a really awful experience. I know. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think they're definitely coming a long ways, but there's still work to be done on, you know, educating doctors, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but doctors actually don't take much nutrition at all. Like you yeah. and I have yeah. more <laughs> than like the doctor. I know. Yeah. So. It's crazy. And like a lot of them seem to think that, um, like I went to so many doctors when I was younger about this stomach issue. And like, nobody recommended I change my diet. Like no one. 
And it's crazy. Like there are so many issues like with, you know, autoimmune diseases and like chronic issues that can be helped if not, you know, put in remission by changes in food. Like when I first got into paleo, I saw how like every single paleo blog, the about me was, it was usually a young woman who had had a horrible autoimmune disease um, that paleo really helped. So I started seeing this connection between health and and food. And I was like, oh my God, it's not me. Like all these people have had these horrible gut issues and been told by doctors that they're making it up or that they need to just go on antibiotics or something. And then food is healing them. So it was kind of like a um, light bulb moment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in a world where a lot of girls our age are kind of they don't have the best like relationship with food and they don't see it how I think we see it, which is as something healing and something that's really nourishing. But a lot of girls are going through college drinking like only iced coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, not eating and not fueling themselves because they're afraid of food. And I don't know if you've ever had any experience with that or know people who have, but how do you feel like food can really be something fun and healing instead of something that should be avoided? That's like my favorite question. That's like one of the biggest parts of, of my book, Whole Girl, is making friends with food. Because like you said, I think most girls our age don't have a great relationship with food. And even if that doesn't manifest as something like an eating disorder, it might just be a general feeling of like shame or guilt when they eat a lot or thinking that they shouldn't be eating certain foods. I think that still a lot of us think that fat is bad for us and that we shouldn't be eating fat. These sort of like antiquated diet rules that were still, that are still really ingrained in our minds. Um, And I think that that comes from the media that we ingest Um, because I actually never had a strained relationship with food until I couldn't eat anything because it made me so sick. And then I was terrified of eating, but the general sort of like shame and guilt around food, I never had. Um, and I think that's because I didn't have like any TV when I was younger. I didn't have a phone. Um, I'd never seen a commercial. Like we literally didn't have a television in my house. And I think that because of that, I wasn't exposed to these really toxic, um, messaging around food that like TV shows and advertisements, um, like pummel us with because if you look on tv it's like every time that they show even just in a sitcom every time they show like a young woman in food or something it's always like a point of contention and we get so many you know influencers now on social media with their diet and detox products and um you know weight loss stuff and it's just it's like we're constantly being hit over and over and over again with this message of like food should be your enemy and like it can be subtle but insidious and we're just like sort of brainwashed into thinking that that food is the enemy and I think that as you said food can just be like this joyful part of life like cooking and baking are just so fun it's this amazing creative form of art you can do it's also like a meditation and eating itself, I find so fun because <laughs> food's yeah. delicious. Um, and also sharing it with friends and family and just like the whole the whole process of food and also just appreciating where it comes from, from the earth, um, the people who produce it, the ingredients, the flavors. I think there's just so much there. And it makes me so sad to think 
of how many girls our age have been sort of taught um, that food should not be a joyful part of life. I mean, I don't know if you had this, but I had just um, middle school and elementary school health class. Like my teacher was telling us to like keep track of the food we ate and like count the calories and um, count the saturated fat we were eating, all of which has been completely debunked. But even in school, we're taught to um, see food in a negative light, which just makes me so mad. So if there's anything, you know, I can accomplish in my life, I just want it to be to, to help people our age um, create a, a joyful relationship with food. Like if I could help a couple people with that, I, my life would be complete. I love that. That's really beautiful. And it's such a big part of our lives. Like we need to eat to live. Um, and I think if we're just constantly trying to restrict something that literally is essential for life, it's like we're cutting off a major part of yeah trying to thrive. So yeah, exactly. I don't know where along the lines that um, the society sort of created this narrative with with women in food, especially like young women in food. I don't know when that happened. When f- food went from like this necessary part of life to this thing that we should be like ashamed of. I don't know when that shift happened, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so speaking of food, I would love if you walked us through like just a standard day of eating for you and like your favorite meals. Um, I think that would be pretty interesting. Oh, okay. Um, God, it varies so much from day to day, but Every morning I like to have a warm drink. I usually have like some sort of tea, like jasmine tea or green tea. And then while I'm drinking that, I make myself like a matcha with um, some collagen and coconut butter or something like that with a little bit of fat and protein. Um, And then after I drink that, I do usually eggs. Um, I don't know how you live with eggs. (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah, I I very rarely eat eggs, but like they're hard to replace. So I do very occasionally eat them, but not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I I literally don't think I could live without eggs. I'm so glad I'm not allergic to them. Um, I love the the fat from the egg yolks and the protein from the egg whites and just like, and I, so I will eat like, you know, fried eggs, poached eggs, scrambled eggs, an omelet, like any form of eggs. I usually have like three eggs with some sort of fat that could be just like, I cooked it with butter or some avocado. And I usually eat that on arugula. Um, I love my eggs and arugula in the morning. Yes, I see that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it probably gets kind of repetitive for my followers. I'm sorry, but I'm never (laughs) going to change that. So that's usually breakfast. Um, Sometimes I'll have that at lunchtime and I won't eat breakfast because I'll just make like a really filling matcha or something. I don't know. Um, And then lunch would be, sometimes I like to make a smoothie, like nothing like as impressive as yours, but something with like spinach and coconut milk, um, some frozen berries, some collagen, fuel, stuff like that. Um, And then I can also have, oh God, lunch really varies. I usually don't have breakfast and lunch and that's not intentional. I feel best when I eat three meals, but sometimes I'll just have such a big breakfast. I'm not hungry at lunch. Mm -hmm. So it varies. Um, 
dinner is usually um, something that my family makes. So we do a lot of like roasted chicken, um, a lot of stuff with beef. So like burgers. Um, lately, my dad has started making short ribs with like braised red wine short ribs. That's a special treat, but that's really good. We do a lot of, yeah, with meat. Um, sometimes we do bonza pasta. Um, we always make like some sort of vegetable, like a salad or roasted veggies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not very interesting. I'm sorry, but oh, also dessert. That's the funnest part. I'm always, usually every day I have some sort of dessert I've made. If not that, then just like half a bar of some really dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I love the kitchen. Yes. <laughs> I have that one. Oh my God, that's like my favorite by far. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to like having inconsistent meals. I, I actually love seeing people's meals uh, being repetitive for some reason. Like I find it really <laughs> satisfying and sometimes I wish I could like repeat things over and over again because simplify my life but I'm just so complicated I just kind of eat whatever I want (laughs) I love it I love it yeah Yeah, I think part of it like part of it is just sort of listening to your body and people overuse that like intuitive eating is like so much you know I think harder than some people make it sound like because yeah so it's, it's always you know it's never easy to like eat purely intuitively but I try to just like listen to my body some days I wake up and I feel like I just want to get working or something and I don't feel that hungry so I'll just start you know right into my day and eat around like 11 or noon or something but then some days I wake up hungry so I try to like listen to my hunger cues as much as possible yeah for sure and it definitely depends like some days you want to be more active and some days you're really stressed or whatever so it's yes I know I've started eating the more I run I've started eating more and that's like I think it's so important to listen to our bodies like Mm -hmm. and and things might change you know on a a weekly or daily basis with how hungry you are and like I eat very big meals like at dinner I eat a lot of food like more than most people most girls my age eat um and I think that's important to just like eat how much you need without feeling shame or guilt yeah I I don't know something about people our age like they don't eat at all I remember when I went to the house you were like whoa you actually ate your whole yeah (laughs) yeah we both actually eat food which I think is really important and is part of the reason why we can like have energy to do things so yeah exactly exactly yeah and it's interesting like I know that you're you know more plant-based vegan you probably need to eat more than I do um to get full because I'm if I'm eating like you know a half pound burger or whatever that is (laughs) um that's gonna fill me up pretty fast because it's so um like high protein and stuff so yeah 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 I have to eat a lot and plant-based foods tend to be like less dense in like actual calories and stuff. So you have mm-hmm. to make sure you're putting enough fat in it because like a piece of meat mm-hmm. already naturally has fat in it, but like beans are just, yeah. like, don't have that much in them. So you have to like add things. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate how much you talk about that on your Instagram, because I think a lot of like influencers with their vegan food, like the amount of food they eat I'm like that that little dollop of hummus and carrots is not yeah it's not gonna fill you up I ate like that for 12 years and I know that that's not filling like yeah you need to eat more 
Yeah, sometimes I just don't understand people on Instagram. I'm like, how? How are it's you? It's fake. It's all fake. That's the thing. It's all it's all something that you're presenting to be your personality. It's like a big acting job or something. That's how I think of it. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so I want to close up this interview just talking a little bit about your approach to balancing social media and the rest of your life. Because one thing I really love about you and your account and um, just your overall personality is that you seem to have a lot of things that you do outside of social media, which I think is really important and something I'm trying to do. Um, and yeah, you're just really active in your life besides being on social media. So mm. what are like some of your other hobbies and the ways that you balance social media in your life? That's like the best question. I love your questions. Um, I hate social media. I I think it divides us and makes us feel jealous and makes us compare ourselves. And I know that by participating in it, I'm inherently making some people feel badly about themselves or compare themselves. And I don't want that. So I hope that, you know, I try to make the stuff that I put out as, you know, inclusive and positive as possible because I just... I don't want to contribute to anyone feeling badly about themselves. Um, and I think that the more time we can all spend away from social media, the better we feel. That's at least the truth for me. Like, um, I, I try to only go on social media when I'm posting and not like look at other people's stuff or really scroll, but that's like a work in progress because I don't do that right now, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm trying to do that because I feel my best when I'm, you know, present in my own life and not looking at a constant stream of other people's lives. Cause when I do, I start comparing myself. Um, and like, I'm like pretty confident in real life, but the second I get on social media, I'm instantly judging and comparing. And also just, I think getting a stream of other people's lives really messes with our brains. Like, I don't like to go to sleep at night and think about something I saw on Instagram, but that happens. And that freaks me out. I want you know, my real life to be the most important thing and not, um, social media. So I try to spend like, you know, an hour or less on my phone per day and just anything I can do to, to like keep my real life, um, the most important thing. So <laughs> outside of social media, um, I like to, uh, run and do yoga and cook and, um, play music. And I read a ton those are probably the biggest things. I do school. <laughs> so yeah, I try to do stuff. And also I try not to post about everything because that's sort of become my instinct over the past couple of years is to share everything be like, it's content. But um, yeah, <laughs> you relate. <laughs> yeah, I share everything in my life. Yeah, I, um, that's my urge too. And I also do, but I'm trying to like, separate my real life from social media because what freaks me out is like if social media suddenly becomes my life and it becomes more important than the here and now in reality um so that's what I'm trying to do I don't know yet if there's a way to like use social media and still feel good sometimes I'm like I just want to delete it forever but um so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. I'm curious how you view it too. I know this is you interviewing me, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm really bad with it. I'm really bad. I put screen time limits on my phone. Um, and 
I sometimes go over them, but if I go over it, it's usually because of podcasts and not because of like social media, but I'm, I'm really bad with it. Me too. Yeah. Especially when I don't have like things to do in my day, I find that's when it's hard when I actually have things to get done. It's a lot easier for me to like not use it because I just forget about it. Um, But I definitely feel a lot better when I'm not on social media as much. So I love your idea of like only trying to use it when you're posting. Um, And I think that would be, yeah, a really good way to approach it, especially if you're like a content creator. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I agree with you that like when, when I have stuff to do, it, it's so easy to not check it. Like Mm -hmm. when I was writing the book or like when I'm writing an essay or something, like I'm not really tempted but if I have a second of downtime, it's like, okay, got to pick up my phone now. So I'm trying to get myself out of the habit of just picking it up. Like, I don't want anything in my life to be involuntary. I don't want to be addicted. I want it to be like a conscious choice if I do decide. So I'm trying to work on that. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like, I don't, I don't like the feeling of having to do something or like, yeah, like needing to do something because of compulsion. So yeah, I think just finding hobbies besides social media is really important and like having a list or something of things you can do when you're bored besides grabbing your phone yeah I've started literally just like painting it's awesome and and I'm like if I look at my screen time and it's been like two hours or something I'm like wait I could have spent that doing like I could have written a short story in two hours I could have painted something I could have read like 50 pages of a book I should have done that instead so I think that sort of that sort of guilt I can I'm trying to use that to my advantage yeah I don't believe guilt is a good feeling to ever feel but sometimes it's like it's more just like oh look what I could do with that time I could do something so much more fun than scroll through my phone alone in my room yeah and I think it can be coming from more like I guess curiosity of like yeah (laughs) I took like an hour off my phone and did something else instead like what would happen uh, maybe I would feel better which you probably will so yeah yeah, yeah. I think so, we all feel better when we get off our phones yeah I think so too for sure um so just closing up the interview I would love to know where the listeners can find you and how they can order your book um when it's going to like officially be released and everything because I know we saw the cover on your page and everything. So yeah, tell us everything where we can find you. Awesome. Um, my Instagram is Sadie Rudinsky. My website's wholegirl.com. And the book, Whole Girl, comes out February 2nd. Um, but if you go to my website, wholegirl.com, <laughs> you can um, pre-order it now. So pre-ordering just means that you'll get the book the day it comes out. So you don't have to wait. And if it you know, miraculously sells out (laughs) when it launches, you will be getting your copy. You'll be like the first people to get your copy. So, um, yeah. So go check out the book on my website. It's also on my Instagram. If you go there, um, and you can buy it from any bookseller. You can buy it from Amazon, or if you want to like support your local bookstore, you can buy it through bookshop. Um, yeah. So it's really just going to be available everywhere. Books are sold. That is so cool. That must be so thing to say. Yeah, I, I always hear people say that, so I feel like I should start saying that. Available everywhere books are sold. Yeah, and I will link all of Sadie's stuff in the description. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
Thank you so much for listening to the On My Own podcast. I hope this episode was helpful for you. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to leave a rating and a review on the iTunes app. It really helps the podcast grow. It helps us get recommended so that we can get more guests on the podcast. If you have any specific episode requests or if you have guest requests, Or even if you would like to be on the podcast yourself and you have an interesting story you'd like to share, please DM me at the On My Own Podcast Instagram page, which is at On My Own Pod. If you'd like to follow Sasha's Plate, my personal health and wellness Instagram, you can do that at sashas.plate. And for blog posts and for the show notes of this episode in more detail, go to Simply Sasha, S-I-M-P-L-Y, S-A-C-I-A dot com where you can find blog posts, recipes, and all the episode show notes. Thank you guys again so much for watching and I will be in your ears next episode.